as I looked around, I realized the only way I'm going to compete with these guys and with everybody who seems way older and way more focused is I'm going to outwork everybody. to Inside Acting. You guys know us. Did you miss us? We're a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm Trevor Algoth. And I'm AJ Meyer. And I missed us. Uh, and coming up in episode 302, we have part one of Jasmine actually joined us on this interview. Jasmine and my three-part interview with writer, director, and animator, Jorge R. Gutierrez. In part one, we hear Jorge's origin story, and yes, I do mean for that to sound like this guy is a superhero, from his beginnings as a child of two artist parents, to the unexpected way he got into Cal Arts, to building his production company out of everything he could fit into two shopping carts and drag off the Sony lot. That's a true story. Jorge's story is one you have to hear to believe. Uh, not to mention all the awesome nuggets of wisdom and advice he drops along the way. That and a special announcement coming up in episode 302. Support for this episode of Inside Acting is brought to you in part by Rehearsal Pro, the current version of Rehearsal, the essential app for actors. It's available right now in the iOS App Store. Guys, if you want to learn your lines, be off book for your auditions, explore your character, make strong, bold choices quickly and effectively, book the room, book the office, and do a whole lot more, go to rehearsal.pro slash IAP right now to learn all about the great new features in this newest version of Rehearsal. It's a groundbreaking app designed by actors for actors. So many people have picked it up and told us that they love it, that it's changed their game why not you too? Check it out. Rehearsal.pro slash IAP. Hey, buddy. Hey, dude. <laughs> We've got a, a couple of very brief announcements here. Just a couple of quick thank yous. Is this a, one we haven't thanked yet, Katie Porter? Or was that done in a previous episode? I, I don't think it was uh, announced before, but we got a one-time gift from her. Thank you so much, Katie. And then a new member in the membership, Deanna uh, Lumen. Is that how you say that? So thank you, ladies, for uh, supporting the podcast, this little thing that we do. And we also just wanted to quickly mention uh, some of the uh, survey results that we got uh, and sort of let that lead us into a conversation about uh, some some changes to come. Trevor, you are the one that put the survey together and then spent a little bit more time than me kind of calling them. Do you want to maybe tell our listeners what you learned about our listeners? <laughs> <laughs> tell people what we know they know about themselves. I, I got really excited. I was going through some business trainings um, that I purchased over the holiday season and um, just sort of thinking, you know, testing out all sorts of ideas in my brain. And uh, one of the things that came to mind in these, these trainings was like, hey, you have to know who your audience is. And I was like, I don't know that we have actually asked our listeners who they are or what they want or where they're coming from um, in like many, many years. And so I, I threw together this survey real quickly, threw it out there on our email list. And we got uh, like dozens and dozens of responses right away. Within like 24 hours, we had like 70 responses. It was really pretty cool. 
And um, yeah, we learned a lot, man. Um, most of our listeners are our age. I, I kind of thought we were skewing on the younger side, but most are in their um, early to mid thirties. Um, they live in the major markets. Um, they are um, really looking forward to uh, learning how to build relationships with other people in the industry. That seems to be the sort of top priority. Uh, in addition to that, they uh, want to learn how to be at peace with the journey. That was the other big thing that came up, dealing with the sort of inner feelings of anxiety and all the sort of emotional stuff that comes along with this very uncertain and oftentimes tumultuous tumultuous journey through the entertainment industry. So, yeah, we learned a lot and we got a lot of good feedback about what people really like about the show, the structure of it, what they um, don't like, what they tend to skip over or gloss over. Uh, so it was it was a really pretty cool eye-opener to to get uh, a nice foothold in terms of what people really want. Uh, I think it's easy to lose touch with that. And, you know, I think this is a nice metaphor for life. It's like when, whenever anything starts to feel a little weird or, or old or stale or, or strange somehow, uh, always come back to what, how am I being of service? And is that actually in alignment with what other people are looking for because it can be easy to lose our way and get caught up on our own minds and conversations and you know ego stories about you know you want what i say you want you know <laughs> i've never thought that but i i could see how i could easily think that so um i'm, I'm glad that we did this and uh it definitely was an eye-opener for me on a lot of different levels yeah definitely and you know part of um the reason why we wanted to do this is because it, we we were hoping that getting this information would sort of open our eyes, as Trevor just said, um, to, you know, providing the the right value, the specific value. I don't really know how to say it for our, our listeners. And um, that was going to be like, you know, what we did when we took the time off and then we'd come back and like kind of see if we wanted to restructure things. The survey, honestly, even though we learned a ton about you guys, it didn't really sway us in any one direction or another. For instance, it was about 50-50 in terms of people who thought that the most valuable part of the podcast was the interview versus who thought the most valuable part was like the bookends. So that didn't really help us. It's like, okay, well, that, you know, that's, that's a concrete example, but there were a lot of other examples like that. So, Still not sure if for these next few episodes we're going to make any structural changes. Probably not. But in the meantime, it sort of kind of didn't matter because uh, we've also come to um, uh, uh, another uh, decision. And Trevor has uh, an announcement for episode 302. Do you want to take it from here, bud? Sure. Uh, so um, I love this podcast. It's been a real joy to work on uh, every single week. That said, um, we talked about this in the last episode, AJ. You and I are completely different people than we were when we started this. Mm -hmm. uh, our journeys have taken us all over the place, all over the map in many, many different ways. And um, for a long time, I have wondered if this podcast uh, is the best um, for me. Uh, and I, I think I'm finally coming to the place where I am so grateful for this journey, but I am ready to move on to transition to the next chapter of my life. Uh, and I, I've, you know, been through many dark nights of the soul with this and, um, have come to understand that, uh, uh, this is not, um, not part of that chapter. So it's, it's, it's a very sort of hard thing to say out loud and a heavy, a heavy thing to sort of 
carry with me, but um, I just want everybody to know how grateful I am for the community, for the journey we've all been on together. Um, we still got five or six episodes um, queued up, so I'm not going anywhere quite yet, but but soon. And um, as far as the future of the podcast, that's in your hands now, AJ. So uh, I, I, it feels weird to just sort of say it and be like, okay, so... Um, <laughs> so it's you later. Yeah, uh, uh, and I, but I, 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 this is not a decision I've come to lightly. And that's, that's where if I had any... I mean, I know it's your decision to make and, and your decision to announce, which is why I tossed it to you. But if I had anything to add, it would be to try and help you put some context around it for our listeners or help our listeners put some context context around it anyway. This is something that Trevor and I have actually been talking about for a very long time. It's not something that happened over this last break. He and I have talked about this for probably the last year and a half. Um, That's not an exaggeration where we've had multiple conversations about one or both of us either falling out of love with it or not sure if we want to continue or like blowing it up and making it something completely different. Um, and there have been like three, two or three conversations where Trevor has said this exact thing. Like, I think I'm done. And um, because I love him and respect him, I never, ever, ever wanted to like talk him back into it. Um, what ended up happening more often than not, and this is not so that you guys can all flood Trevor's like, uh, social media, please do not do that other than like to say thank you and <laughs> fare thee well. But what would happen inevitably is somebody would see Trevor in person or email him or something and say like, your podcast has changed my life for the better. I'm so grateful for everything that you're doing. Keep up the good work kind of thing. And it would just give Trevor this like spark to have him keep going. And I I hope that I'm not, you know, speaking for you, Trevor, because these are things that you have actually, you know, told me. Um, And so I, like I said, I just, that's the only real sort of context that I have is the conversations that you and I've had about this where we weren't recording, you know, Um, that's the only thing I wanted to sort of add in uh, here. So that didn't feel like it was coming out of, you know, out of nowhere just to continue the conversation. Um, and I think I know the answer here because like I said, we've been talking about it offline. How do you feel like you've finally been able to let this go in like a healthy way? Because our listeners, for instance, listened to you about a year or so ago, like let go of acting for instance. And then you were like, who, you know, who's this guy you, you know, you're feeling like, who's this guy who has an, uh, an acting podcast, who's like letting go of acting right now. Um, and then you sort of come back and you're back to making art and you're doing your music and stuff. What steps do you feel like you took to kind of feel like you were finally letting go of it? Like in a, in a, in a healthy way, like it was time. Hmm. Well, that's a good question. Um, I mean, as opposed to, you know, the other times where you were, where you were like, Oh, you know what? I am, I am in fact gonna, you know, stick it out and continue to. Yeah. Yeah. I, hmm, that's a great, that's a great question. I wish I had a, a succinct nugget of wisdom, uh, to answer <laughs> that with, uh, all I can say, I, I didn't think you would, I'm putting you on the spot. Yeah. You know, all, all I can say is that, um, last year was just really tough for me. I, I did a lot of growing and, uh, a lot of, reflection and a lot of being in touch with what life is about and what we're really here for and what I want to do with this time. I think it's just the first time that I really started to connect with the fact that um, 
like really, like really on a heart emotional level, connect with the fact that we're all going to die and it, it could come at any time and not to be morbid. I think that actually is a thrilling thing because it makes life really vibrant and special and beautiful if we can keep that top of mind. And I just started sort of systematically looking at my life and saying, where in my life am I holding on to things that don't, um, I don't want to say don't bring me joy, but that don't feel like me, who I've, who I'm becoming now, you know, who, who this person is now. And, and I've just, I, if there's, <laughs> if there's any like wisdom I have to share with anybody these days, it's just try something different. You know, like if somebody's mm. like, do you have a life advice? It's like, I don't know, man, try it. Like, that's all I got. I have no answers the, the older <laughs> I get, the more I realize I know nothing. <laughs> I know how much I don't know. And, um, and I just, I just, just, I don't know. I, it was just sort of like a slow settling of like, I don't know if this is part of my identity anymore. And I don't want to wear a mask in service of creating this thing, which, which has been, um, valuable for people from, from the feedback we've gotten, but I don't, I don't want to be the one losing in that situation. And it, again, it wasn't that it wasn't satisfying and that I didn't love it a lot of the time. It just, it just stopped feeling like 2017 2018 trevor it felt like mm. 2009 trevor who is just he's gone he's just a, he's he's a thing of the past and so it's like why am i um still doing this thing that that um uh, that just no longer feels authentic in the way that i want to be authentic at this at this phase of my life and I, 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 that's kind of the best way I can think to put it. And I'm saying those words and they, they don't sound right to me, but, uh, I, that's the best way I can think to put it right now. Mm. Well, I mean, uh, you know, to put it another way, I remember you telling me once, like recently, you know, this, it's not like this has been going on. This particular aspect has been happening for a while, but like that you felt like you had to put on like the actor who has an actor podcast you know, sort of costume in order to do the podcast. And I remember hearing that and thinking like, oh man, that's like, I would hate, like, I didn't want that for you, you know, as your friend, like that was like, ah, oh. so I, I remember hearing you say that and being like, Ooh, that's like, I get it. I, I, so I don't, I don't think that your explanation, like the explanation you get, just gave is, I don't think it's as um, <laughs> existential as you think it is, put it that way. Okay, good, good. I really do have such a profound sense of gratitude for this piece of, you know, work that we've put together over the many years, um, AJ, you and I, for, for being a part of your journey and getting to know you uh, on a whole new level over, over so much sort of crazy life stuff these past um, eight, nine years. And for the community we've built, it, it is such a joy for me to be able to meet people and, and learn from them and hear from them. And um, I'm going to miss that a lot. I really am. Um, but I, uh, I'm, I'm ready to sort of step into the unknown and, uh, I have no idea what that looks like, but I, I know that I can't keep doing what I was doing, um, because down that road lies just stagnation and death. And that's not to say anything specific about anything. That's more just like a, a general life thing. You can't stay in one place too long, especially when your heart just keeps telling you, you know, I know it's good, but dude, <laughs> you know, like people change, things change, you know, you gotta, you gotta roll with it. And there's nothing in, in nature in the universe is ever static and you, you gotta honor that. And I think 
a lot of unhappiness in the world comes from people not honoring that, that inner, you know, impulse to, um, you know, evolve because it's hard. It's hard to break up with somebody. It's hard to, to, you know, share mm. your truth, especially when people, people want you to do something else and, and there's joy and there's value there. It's like, it's hard. It's, there's something else calling to me. I don't know what it is, but it can't be heard until I sort of remove some of the obstacles. Uh, and that's been my sense. Well, uh, that's okay. Your, your feelings are valid. It is sad. It is hard. It's sad and hard for me too, not to make this about me. Um, but it, it is about us and it is about the community. And I'm sure a lot of people out there are going to be, you know, sad and heartbroken by the news as well. I, uh, I didn't realize you were also breaking up with me. That's, uh, that's interesting to know. Um, I wish you, I wish you had told me before we started recording. Once you proposed to your girlfriend, it was, it was over. <laughs> it was over. Yeah. It was over. Yeah. Um, uh, my favorite bromance. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, so, so it's, it's going to be a challenge to kind of get past like this announcement, uh, for this episode and for the next few episodes. So I'm just going to try and make this as like, I, I don't want to come across as sounding like cold, but I'm just going to be as pragmatic as possible, um, for our listeners. Uh, so here's, what's going to happen. We have, a couple of interviews in the can that we didn't want to not get out into the uh, into the community. This being one, um, and I am currently lining up a, a follow up interview with uh, Chuck Sloan so that he can explain to our whole community how the hell this new tax bill is going to affect actors. I figured that would be a good you know thing since it's tax time right now and everybody's probably freaking out and and not really understanding what's uh, what's next. So that's coming, and then we'll probably have like a farewell episode for Trevor. Um, and then I don't know what's next. I personally, as I shared before, have had similar feelings to what Trevor has felt. And then including the roller coaster of the ups and downs, I don't know that I'm ready to let go of the podcast yet, but I also agree with Trevor that a, we are different people than we were when we started it. And B, I've never done this without Trevor, so I don't know what that looks like. <laughs> I don't know what that podcast is. I don't know what that podcast, uh, how that podcast um, functions. And I don't even mean practically, I, I mean emotionally. So in the meantime, my request, I guess, of the community is, and, and all of our listeners out there, is to focus on the gratitude and um, Trevor doesn't know I'm about to say this, but if you would like to, you know, send him tweets, um, Facebook posts on the Inside Acting, uh, you know, Facebook page, um, whatever, to essentially thank him for the incredible service that he has given to all of us, I would definitely encourage you to do that. He deserves to know. We both uh, have put a lot of blood, sweat and tears into this thing, but no one more than him. And it has taken a lot of time, money and effort for the two of us over the last eight years and 300 plus episodes. So let's focus on that. Let's focus on the the value that has been created by Mr. Algad, the gratitude that we all feel for him and his contributions to this work and let that be our focus for the next 
you know, six episodes or whatever is, is left here. And then we'll see. I'll try to keep you guys updated on how I'm feeling as we go from week to week. I, 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 I literally don't know right now. That is, that is where I'm at. Cause like I said, I don't know what this podcast is without the two of us. I just, like I said, I wanted to kind of get the sort of practical stuff out there so that people understood what was happening next. Um, and that Trevor will still be around for, you know, those episodes. Um, but that's, uh, that's the big announcement, uh, for this, for this episode. And now I have to read, you know, copy for an ad and send us into the interview. It's just, it's, it's weird how life works sometimes, you know? So do you have anything, uh, you want to say before I do that, Trevor? Just a big old bro hug. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Love you, buddy. Support for this episode of Inside Acting and for a lot of our episodes, um, big shout out to David H. Lawrence the 17th and uh, Rehearsal Pro and Viotogogo.com. They have definitely helped, uh, in addition to the community, definitely helped keep the wheels on this bus. So um, Viotogogo or Viotogogo.com is the award-winning voiceover training system and winner of Backstage's Reader's Choice Award for Best VO Training four years in a row. Visit VO2Gogo.com. That's the number two. VO, the number two, gogo.com slash start for a free getting started in voiceover online class that'll help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio. And um, Jasmine's been listening to a lot of audiobooks lately, and I can see how this kind of training would come in handy. Some of them have great narrators, and some of them have not so great narrators. Um, that's VO, the number two, gogo.com slash start. And speaking of getting started, um, let's begin with part one of my and Jasmine. Jasmine's with me on this interview, um, and you'll hear why when we kick it off. Um, our interview with Jorge R. Gutierrez. Um, this, this interview is amazing. Jorge is a fantastic storyteller, but he also just has like cool stories happen to him, um, or he creates cool stories. Um, and you'll see uh, in this first episode, uh, part of the interview uh, what I mean by that and then the second part just becomes even more epic Here I am so excited to be joined by uh, the lovely and talented Jasmine Bristow. I'm not just saying that because we're engaged. She's actually lovely and she's actually talented. And she uh, is the reason behind uh, our interview today. And so I wanted her to to join us because she actually met our uh, our guest in person. And there's been a lot of back and forth to make this happen. We finally have... Um, uh, Oh, man, I can call you a Golden Globe nominee. Uh, Mexican animator, painter, writer, director, 
Jorge R. Gutierrez. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show with us, Jorge. Well, I, like I said earlier, I'm super honored that you guys are having me. Uh, this is awesome. So thank you. So we, we tend to start uh, at the very beginning, uh, a la Sound of Music, a very good place to start. Um, <laughs> we usually like to hear about uh, people's journey into their art. And with you, it's so, you know, there's so much variety. It's, it's hard to say, I imagine even for you to explain where you, quote unquote, got your start, because I'm sure you got interested in in painting and your art and stuff as as you know even as a child so why don't you take us through sort of what uh got you interested in 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 your art and what made you decide maybe uh, for instance to dive in 100 percent and actually go to cal arts which is this you know very prestigious uh animation school well uh that's a great question so i i was born in mexico city uh, and my father is an architect, and I would say my mom is a full-time bohemian uh, in that she just enjoyed all the arts. And so as a little kid growing up, I just thought everybody's parents were artists. Uh, <laughs> oh, what that they were, Jorge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and so my dad would come home and complain about having to draw all day and clients and stuff like that. And then my mom would be playing the guitar or, you know, going to plays and we'd go to museums. So I just assumed this was the normal thing. Hmm. Uh, so when I was growing up, it wasn't, what are you going to do when you grow up? It was more like, what kind of artist are you going to be? When you grow oh, up? that's wow. beautiful. Wow. And I remember specifically my dad taking me to a Picasso exhibit in Mexico. And I, I must have been six or seven. And he was furious right afterwards. He said... You could you could do this better than than this guy, and I remember on the ride home I was so excited because I was like, I'm better than Picasso. <laughs> at, at only six years old. Yeah, uh, and so eventually uh, my dad sat me down. You know, the Mexican fathers are very tough. Uh, he sat me down and he said, "Okay, Jorge, it's time for you to decide what you're going to do with your life." I think I was ten years old when he asked me this. Mm. Uh, at a big family dinner in front of everyone. And he said, what do you want to do? Uh, and I said, well, I want to be a, a painter or I want to be a writer or I want to be a movie director. Wow. And everybody in the table laughed. And my father did not look happy. And then a family friend, who I will eternally think, said, you know what? That's animation. You get to do all three of those things. Wow. And so, 10 years old, you said this happened? Yeah. Wow. Uh, as I got older, I started looking into it. And, and I don't know, I must have been a teenager. Uh, again, father sat me down. He said, okay, if you really want to pursue this animation thing, uh, you have to get into the hardest school in the world for it. <gasps> and if you can do that, then maybe I will think about letting you study that. Hmm. Wow. This is a family where we take our art seriously, so... Yeah, it's on you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, in your face, Dad, I got into Cal Arts. Well, that must have been an exciting <laughs> moment for the family. Yeah, it was. It was kind of a crazy. Uh, so by this point, I'm living in Tijuana, in the border uh, with San Diego, and so I was trying to learn as much as I could about drawing and animation. And so I would go to figure drawing classes, 
and you know this is Tijuana, so all the all the models were basically exotic dancers. So all my drawings looked really weird uh, <laughs> when I turned those in to the school. They're like, "This is these look like fantasies." I'm like, oh, this is, this you need, you didn't come to Tijuana. <laughs> Uh, and so when I went over there, I had I had the plan. The original plan was uh, everybody gets rejected from that school, right? Like out of a thousand applicants, I think back then it was thirty two. Hmm. Thirty two of a, out of a thousand get in for the animation program. Um, and so the idea that I was, <laughs> you know, you make plans and the world laughs at you. But the the plan was I'm going to apply. It's going to take me four or five years to keep applying and getting rejected. And every time I get rejected, I'll get better. And eventually I'll get in and that will give me enough time to work and to save money and for my parents to save money. Uh, and so I went as a 17-year-old to apply as a high school junior. And I took two portfolios, one of all the drawings I thought Americans wanted to see. So it was all Bugs Bunny and Bart Simpson and Mickey Mouse type of stuff. And then I also took a portfolio of my paintings that I was doing for me. Uh, and so my plan was, I'm going to apply to CalArts, get rejected, but then I'll apply to other art schools for painting to see if I can get in, just as an experiment. Uh, and so I show my drawings to the animation school at CalArts, and the guy who reviewed it just destroyed me. Uh, he says some pretty, uh, pretty hurtful things to hear as a 17-year-old. He said, uh, these drawings you're showing me uh, say nothing. You are not an artist. You have no voice. A copy machine could have done this. Uh, that is not what we do. And so please think about doing something different with your life because you are not an artist. And it, it immediately, of course, broke my heart. Uh, and I walked away from that portfolio review devastated. But the universe took pity on me, and I left my painting portfolio on the table. Uh, and so the guy, an old like, Holocaust survivor, Hungarian man who you know had won Academy Awards, goes, "Hey, sad guy, come back." Sad guy, <laughs> you forgot uh, your painting portfolio. <laughs> and so as I walk back, he opens it and his eyes explode because it was all stuff I love about Mexico and Day of the Dead and Mexican wrestling and basically all the things that I was painting for me. Hmm. And he saw that and he said, you son of a bitch, why you don't show me this? <laughs> and he said, this is you. This is your voice. If you can put this on a TV screen and if you can put this on a movie, you'll be doing something I've never seen before. So I'm going to let you into the school. Oh, so I wow. got in as a 17-year-old and my parents just didn't have enough money for me to go. And they don't give scholarships the first year. So it was a, it was quite a struggle. I, I ended up going without uh, having enough money to finish the year, uh, and I just, you know, when I got there, I was probably the worst student as far as skill level. But I, as I looked around, I realized the only way I'm going to compete with these guys and with everybody who seems way older and way more focused is I'm going to outwork everybody. So mm -hmm. any assignment I would get. I would do 10 and then turn in the best one. And I wouldn't tell this to anyone. And in my head, I was like, I'm going to hack the system by outworking everybody. So by the end of the year, uh, the school gave me a full scholarship. And so I got to go for six years. I did my bachelor's and my master's there. Wow. And my dad at that point was like, maybe, maybe. 
you're onto something. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> oh, how many how many actors and other artists have heard that same thing? It's like you you could book some, you know, major television show or feature film. They're like, hmm, maybe this is finally working out. <laughs> maybe maybe you are maybe you are talented. It's um, one of those things I think I mean, he jokes about it with me, but he keeps telling me like before I die, maybe I'm gonna be proud of you. Oh gosh. Unreal. Well, I I love I mean I, he has to be proud of that work ethic. I love that you thought to yourself that hacking the system was doing ten times as much work. Usually when people say yeah. They're putting together a life hack. It's to do cheat the system. Less. To cheat the system, yeah, yeah, yeah. to do less. <laughs> I'm the worst hacker. <laughs> but yeah, this this idea, and honestly, I don't know how kids do it today, but when I looked around, I saw that by default, artists are incredibly lazy, hmm. right? Like procrastination seems to flow very easily to us yes and we're looking for inspiration we're looking for the moment and we're all easily distracted and i said okay well i can't control how much talent i'm born with and i can't control my skill level yet but i can control what i do with my time and Mm. so that's gonna be my thing and you know guess what everybody who does the more you do something the better you get at it yeah yeah almost almost no one gets worse some people get worse, but almost <laughs> 99% of people get better. Yeah. Wow. So you, wow. you clocked 10 times as many hours yeah, in those that, six years. That was, so I feel, I mean, I went for six years, but I feel like I went for 20. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and and uh, when you graduate, how soon after you graduated did you meet your, your wife and start working? Did you guys meet at CalArts? Uh, I met in high school before Caleb. Oh, wow. We because... did a punk rock concert. Uh, and two weeks from the day I met her, I proposed. Oh. I se- yeah, I was 17. And, of course, she's smart enough to say no. So, <laughs> and everybody thought I was crazy. So imagine her parents. Basically, this, this dumb Mexican kid comes to them and says, I'm going to be, uh, you know, I'm going to go to cartoon school. <laughs> and one day, your daughter and myself are going to be, you know, the Diego Rivera and Frida Kahlo mm. of cartoons. So her dad hated me. He was a doctor. Oh. Oh. So all the other boyfriends for the sisters, because it's four sisters, were all doctors. So everybody thought I was, I was trouble. And, and looking back, now that I'm a dad, I, could, I see his point. <laughs> You get it now. I totally get it. <laughs> you, you were trouble. You were trouble. I was trouble, and I did sound like a crazy person. Back then. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, well, the reason—I mean—I didn't mean to take such a, a sharp turn there from Cal Arts, but I wanted to bring it up because you guys have collaborated on on almost the entirety of your respective resumes. Um, do you, do you guys, do you, do the two of you still work on things individually or is almost everything you do now a, a collaboration with you and your wife? Well, early on, we always work together and we both have worked without each other. And I can honestly say we are not, we're not as good. We're not as good when we're not together. Um, we have a very symbiotic relationship 
And we've worked so long together that honestly, our marriage, I'm not sure would work uh, without that because we would never see each other. <laughs> Animation is so consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to know that at the worst moments, she's there for me and, and vice versa. And every time, you know, this, this is an industry full of full of heartbreak and, and, and success could <laughs> go back to back. Mm-hmm. So to experience that with, with your partner, uh, I think I think makes you stronger. Uh, everybody would warn us how difficult it would be. I remember at Nickelodeon, we, we had a, a TV show together and we had to sign a divorce clause. Like, what happens if you guys get divorced in the middle of the show? Yeah. Oh, jeez. <sighs> All this stuff, because, you know, through the studio, they're worried about that stuff. Yep. And it's happened enough that there is a clause for that. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it's been it's been pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, my only sort of trepidation that we learned is we don't step on each other. Like, we don't do the same things. Mm-hmm. So, for example, on the art side, uh, Sandra designs all the girls all the cute female characters, anything cute, it's her. And I design all the male, all the macho stuff, all the monsters. So we don't step on each other's toes. Uh, for for example, for voice acting, of course, she does female characters, I do male characters. So we've, we've basically separated our roles. And she, she could be really, really, really... Um, what's the best word? What's the way, best way to say it without making her angry? Uh, she takes things really personally from the <laughs> studios, and I'm, and I am, um, I don't know what it is, but I'm kind of nothing sticks. I'm Teflon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can give us the meanest, angriest, most ridiculous notes, and I will, and I will be okay with it. Uh, she does not suffer fools, and so uh, we've learned, we learn how to how to navigate that really well. Mm-hmm. That helps, I imagine. Well, and the other thing is, you know, our, especially animation, it's a, it's a boys' club. It's very much very male dominated, um, and she's she's a tough girl from Tijuana. Mm-hmm. So, she uh, there were many a times where I was like, oh, we gotta be careful. You know, we don't take this stuff too personal. Hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned the the show at Nickelodeon. Would you count that as being? Like the first stepping stone when you when you started, you know, getting into professional work or were there other things like where where do you see the, I guess, transitionary period post graduation and 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 starting to build, you know, relationships and resume and stuff to actually um, getting to work? Because you mentioned how competitive uh, animation can be and, you know, You've you've managed to build up like this really awesome uh, resume, and I, I even have resume. yeah consistent resume, and I, I even have some friends uh, who ha- are you know still trying to sort of break into animation, and I'm just curious about that transition for you, and and I guess for you individually and you as a pair um, was El Tigre like the first thing or what were the, if not, what were the sort of steps to get there? Uh, Absolutely. So when I was in school, I I very much gravitated towards doing not only my own stuff, but things that sort of celebrated Hispanic and Latin culture. Um, 
and my teachers would say, you keep doing this stuff and you're not going to get a job because there's no, no one doing that stuff. <laughs> and I was pretty stubborn about like, no, I'll show them. Uh, and so I finished my master's. Uh, I had a, a student short that is basically the basis for Book of Life called Carmelo. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I finished this little short and it won the student Emmy. And it opened all these doors. You know, I got I got to go to all the studios, um, and uh, a manager who I'm still with, uh, Aaron Berger, signed me immediately after he uh, he saw the short, and he said, you know, write a movie, <laughs> write a movie based on this short because uh, there's nothing we can do with this short, but if you have a movie, maybe that could turn into something. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a 40-page outline for Book of Life. And he sent me to every studio, and every studio told me the same thing. Uh, no one wants to see a movie about Day of the Dead. Uh, you're just some dumb kid out of school. You need more experience. And number three, um, people don't want to see movies about Mexico and Mexicans. Wow. And so, yeah, here we are in 2017, right? Mm-hmm. Coco just came out. Uh, so I was a little bit ahead of, of my time. Um, and so I looked for work everywhere. I went to every studio. And because I'm a foreigner, the way it works is when you graduate, the government gives you one year to find work. So if you don't find work in one year, you get deported. Mm. Uh, so imagine all my friends are worried about, am I going to have to drive to the west side if I get a job here? <laughs> oh, my God. Right. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to go back to Mexico uh-huh. uh, and be the most – the greatest animation taco stand guy uh, in the history of Mexico because oh. there's no animation over there. Are they going right. to send me back and I'm not going to be able to do anything? Mm. And so I was freaking out. Uh, and so eventually, as I went through all the studios with my portfolio, people would say, this is great stuff, but we we don't do anything like this. Uh, a producer at Nickelodeon back then said, he uh, brought me to his office, he closed the door, and he's like, look, I'm going to give you some advice. All this stuff you're doing is great, but I'm not going to hire you because what we're doing and what you're doing are very different. But I'm going to give you the name of the only person who's going to hire you to do this type of stuff. So I got super excited. And he goes, the only person, are you listening to me? The only person who's going to give you a job to do this stuff is you. I was like, what? (laughs) The the most... The most frustrating and yet probably the best advice. Exactly. So he goes, you have to pitch your own TV shows, your own movies, and then you can hire yourself to make the stuff look like this. Wow. So I went home and I thought really hard about what he said and what he meant. And pretty much that's what I did. I became a pitching machine. Hmm. I started pitching everywhere. Um, eventually, uh, I made a little internet cartoon called El Macho. This is in the year 2000. Mm-hmm. I submitted it to uh, one of those websites where anybody can submit stuff. And it got 20,000 views in one night, which for now would be like 2 million views in one night. Right. Mm-hmm. That's. Uh, and I had been an intern at Sony, uh, thanks to my student short. And a producer from Sony basically called me up and said, hey, are you, are you the same guy we had as a new intern? Is that your short? <laughs> yes. 
because, well, there's a division here that's doing animation. Uh, we want to buy your show. And so I went over there and I totally got screwed, right? I got paid almost nothing, but I got my foot in the door. They bought my little cartoon. They said, good news. You get to write them, direct them, voice them, do the music, do the characters. Like The more jobs they listed, the more excited I got. Like, Someone's paying me to do what I do in school. Yeah. Right. And so we got married. Sandra moved up from Mexico. And we worked on the show for maybe a year. We were supposed to do 24 episodes. Uh, we only did nine because 9-11 happened. And for some reason, 9-11 affected the in- entertainment industry and specifically the dot-com uh, era. Mm. And so we were technically a dot-com for Sony. And so they shut down the division. And at that point, I remember thinking, uh, you know, a month before, I was like, this is the greatest country on earth. And after that, I was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? We're going to get deported. And so uh, I, re- I still remember it like it was yesterday. They br- bring everybody into a room. There must have been 90 of us in that division. And they said, OK, everybody, we're going to we're going to delete all the hard drives. So go back to your desk and take everything you think you deserve. And everybody started crying, and people were angry, kicking the floor. And I was the only idiot with a giant grin on my face. I ran to my office, and I don't like driving. Uh, so we always live wherever we work, like right next to it. So I called Sandra, and we lived two blocks away. And I said, Sandra, bring two shopping carts. We deserve everything. <laughs> So Sandra being the kick-ass Juana wife that she is, didn't even ask. She just said, got it. Click. Five minutes later, she had these two giant smart and final shopping And we just filled them with computers, tablets. I even took my chair from that place. And wow. as we leave, yeah, as we were leaving, you know, we looked like Haitian refugees. <laughs> Cards. The oh security card looked at me. He was like, you know what? Good for you. And he yeah. took his stapler and he stuck it into the cart. <laughs> One more thing. And that's oh how we gosh. started our first animation studio. Oh my god. Thanks, oh, so from, Sony. Thanks, Sony. So from like yeah. the your animation studio was like the Phoenix rising rising from the ashes of this animation department. And and you know that's that's a very Latin American thing. It's mm. we you know, we do more with less, and we are used to uh, things falling apart, and that's kind of part of life for us. All right, everybody, welcome back. Hope you enjoyed part one of uh, J- Jasmine and AJ's chat with Jorge R. Gutierrez. That's awful. I'll never do that again, I promise. Don't worry, I'm only here for a few more episodes and then I'm, then I'm out. Um, <laughs> I will not be messing up any more names, Trevor said. <laughs> I have not had a chance to listen to this interview series, but I, I looked at the notes you put together, AJ, and this looks like truly, truly one for the books. Um, I haven't seen a lot of Jorge's work, but this is very timely because, um, God, what's the name of the movie? I'm blanking on the movie even now still. Uh, Coco? Coco came out sort of recently as of this recording, and apparently it's fantastic. Yeah, well, so so the, his film is called The Book of Life, 
But as you'll hear, we do ask him about Coco because when Coco was announced, a lot of people were like, oh, here comes Disney and Pixar and the big like corporate machine. And they're just like ripping off all the stuff from Book of Life, which was, you know, obviously a smaller uh, film made by mostly like a mostly Latino, you know, cast and crew with the exception of, you know, big name stars like Channing Tatum. We ask him about all of this. So stay tuned later because it's amazing what he has to say about like that and and how I mean, I'll, I'll give you a little a little teaser. He basically, you know, uh, says in not so many words that he needed he and other people who are doing the kind of work that he's doing need a film like Coco to work and be successful because it shows the industry, which is sometimes ignorant, for lack of a better word, that uh, stories about Mexicans and and concerning Mexican culture can sell. Like, look, Pixar made all this money, you know, on Coco. So this works and that will allow him and others uh, like him to to continue to make art around that same sort of so anyway uh that's actually more in part two and a little bit in part three but i'll say this i can't remember another interview where well there's been a few over the course of this podcast but this is definitely one that stands out in my mind where we were smiling and learning the entire time like my cheeks hurt when we were done doing this interview. And so to be that entertained and learn that much, it's like, that's what, that's art. (laughs) That's what art is, you know, to be entertained and learn at the same time. It was fantastic. So hope you enjoyed part one, but just stick around, fasten your seatbelts because part two and part three are just equally amazing. Badass. Okay, cool. Let's see uh, picks of the week here. Tell me about your pick of the week. So mine's pretty simple. It's a new music musical artist that um, that Jasmine actually discovered, and we've been listening to her kind of nonstop around the house. We got a new uh, Bluetooth speaker um, that you know plays um, music throughout the house while we're hanging out here, which is really nice. Um, her name is Brandy Carlisle, and I would sort of describe her music as being a cross between like country and bluegrass and Melissa Etheridge. And it's sort of in that uh, vein of, uh, sort of like, um, you know, like gravelly vocals and, and guitar and piano and, um, and like a little bit of like, uh, 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 bluegrass beat in a few songs. It's, it's really fantastic music, both her ballads and her upbeat songs. Um, are great. And, uh, I would just encourage everybody to check it out. We we're, we're putting the link to her, uh, website on, um, on the, the picks of the week on the, the show notes for this episode. But if you have, um, you know, a streaming service like an Apple music or a Spotify or something like that, go check her out. Brandy Carlisle. That's Brandy with an I, uh, Carlisle with an I. Anyway, you can see it on our website. Hmm. Cool. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. I think you'll enjoy her music, Trev. Um, I've been enjoying yours. I will say that if you're not on Trevor's email uh, list, by the way, you should get on that because uh, he's been releasing some fantastic music lately. Um, what's your pick of the week? So I actually read this book um, like 15 years ago. And I'm bringing it up again because I just recently read another book by this same author. And I liked it, but nothing holds a candle to this book that he wrote. So I'm going to stop it, keeping everybody in suspense. The book is The Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett. It's uh, 
the best book I've ever read. It is my favorite fiction book of all time. I remember just sneaking away and trying to grab, you know, just a few minutes wherever and whenever I could just to dip back into the story. I fell head over heels in love with the characters uh, and the world that he crafts and how he follows the characters from their childhood all the way through their elderly years um, in this story as they build a cathedral uh, in uh, medieval England. It's just, it's breathtaking. It's, the words escape me. I'm picking this book uh, because I've been reading some of his other stuff. He's got a, a, a couple trilogies out. This book, The Pillars of the Earth, is the first book in what is now recently completed uh, as the Kingsbridge, Kingsbridge Trilogy. Uh, Column of Fire just came out, and that's the third book. And um, I also have read the first two books in his Century Trilogy, which is about World War One, World War Two, and the Cold War, respectively. So I just finished the second book in that trilogy, and I liked it, and all the ingredients are there, and I enjoyed it mostly, but it just was missing this like magic, this spark that Pillars of the Earth has. And I, I found myself missing this book so much that I'm going to go back and read it again this year. I want to start all over again with them mm. with, and, and go through this entire Kingsbridge series. And I'm going to start with Pillars of the Earth. And I can't wait to get back to this book. I saw they made a, a mini series out of it. It was awful. Um, there's an app that came out recently that's like an interactive storyline game. And you can you know, you can veer away from the, the plot of the book and the app if you want. Um, I watched, a f I tried to stomach a few episodes of the miniseries and couldn't. And the app looks um, like it's geared towards a different demographic than me. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but the book is just fantastic. So check it out. If you're looking for a great read, I will be surprised. Well, actually, no, I won't be because I know some people who have read it that weren't as bowled over by it as I was. But I also know a lot of people who were like, dude, <laughs> that book was just something else. Um, so check it out. The Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett. I don't love all his work, but this book, it's awesome. I feel like something about the way you're describing it. I think Jazz may have read, um, this or one of his trilogies or something like that. It sounds, it sounds familiar. So, um, I guess I'll add it to my list, my yeah. Trevor reading list, my never ending <laughs> Trevor reading list. No. Uh, uh, anyway, it's good. All right. So that is, uh, by the way, uh, I forgive you the name of the, um, album by brandy carlisle check it out link on our website and the book the pillars of the earth by ken follett a just uh, my favorite fiction book of all time hands down easy easy top of the list check them out links to both those are on our website and i think that does it for um <laughs> this sad episode yeah oh it's okay man it doesn't have to be sad like i said let's focus on the gratitude focus on what's next and owning what's true for you and that that goes for you trevor and like the royal you like if you're listening to this focus on what's true for you well on that note i guess that's it for episode 302 thanks for listening guys uh today's uh episode was uh of course produced and hosted by us trevor algod and aj meyer the team also includes jen levin and grace gordon and um deb smith who um has recently decided that she is also going to sort of move on to refocus her energy on uh, other things and we have loved working with deb uh she was our community manager for many years and she worked pro bono all that time um just helping facilitate 
uh, live events. She did a wonderful job teaming up with Jen, uh, getting our 300 party going, our 200 party. And she'd just done so much for the podcast and just been such a beacon of light and love and creativity. And what a wonderful example of a hustling actor. She mm. rocks, man. If you're not following her on social media, you should be, because she will just inspire you to the moon and back to just get a fire lit under your butt and go make it happen. She's she's a real um, beacon of light in this industry. So follow her. We wish her well. Thank you, Deb. We love you a long time, and uh, looking forward to seeing what is uh, next for you. It's going to be epic, whatever it is. Visit us online. We're still online. We still have a website. Everything's fine. Uh, it is <laughs> acting.net. <laughs> Sign up for our weekly emails. Uh while we're still here just uh, uh and listen to all of our episodes uh there and on itunes I, i'll say this regardless of what happens that feed will be up for a good six to twelve months so if you're interested in archiving them for yourself uh now would be a good time to download them onto your computer and get them onto i don't know a hard drive or something uh have fun we've put them out there for free and they're they're not they don't belong to us anymore they belong to the community so we're also on social media that'll never go away at inside acting pretty much wherever else you get your podcasts you can check us out uh in all the different places yeah yeah and and like i just said um the the podcast itself is going to be online for a while the website uh the podcast feed all that server space like that stuff costs money but we've had such wonderfully consistent uh contributions from the community that we have enough in the bank to keep this feed online, even if everything stopped like tomorrow. We have enough uh, in the bank to keep the, the feed online for the next 6 to 12 months. So if you have contributed, know that you um, have directly funded keeping this information available and out there to the community on the Internet for free for uh, a good chunk of the next, um, you know, time. Uh, I don't know what unit of time to use here, but a good chunk uh, of time for the, for the foreseeable future. So thank you for that. If you are listening to this and you're like, you know what, I have listened to this podcast for a long time and I've, I've been meaning to contribute and uh, I don't know what's going to happen next with it, but I, I, I want to make sure that it sticks around a little bit longer. Hey, your contribution could keep us online for another month beyond uh, what we've already got um, in the bank currently as of this recording. So feel free to do that. You can do a one-time contribution or an ongoing gift uh, just visit us at insideacting.net where you can learn um, about everything and help uh, keep this podcast up on the interwebs for free for people to learn from and hopefully make everybody's job a little bit easier in this industry well that's it for episode 302 signing off until next week thanks for listening we'll see you next week and in the meantime focus on the gratitude 